Hey guys, this is Keith, host of the Big Things by Nine podcast here on the Warner Recovery Radio Network. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope everybody's had a good week. Uh, things are going good for us. Today is Friday, October 15th, 2021. Got an awesome show for you tonight. We have Tisha joining me uh, for a few minutes, and then we have uh, part one of our uh, interview with uh, Brian. Uh, I think you're really going to enjoy it. So uh, we'll be right back. Hey guys, we're here today to talk to you about Lavender Lions Bath and Body. Uh, they do uh, all the soaps, the bath bombs, even does these little soap-looking skull things, which are incredible. Um, but uh, you can find them online. They're on Facebook and they're on Instagram, and their website is uh, lavenderlionsbathandbody.com. Lavenderlionsbathandbody.com. Thank you, guys. Hey, Keith, how are you? It's so funny. Like I was, I just opened up Messenger and was like three words into typing you a message saying how stupid Andrew is, and then you you texted like while I was typing. <laughs> That's so crazy. <laughs> That's crazy how that how that works. Crazy. So how's your day going? <clears throat> it's going really good. Thanks. Yeah. I had what's... three prayer meetings this morning, and uh-huh. my friend just came over to help me, and she brought me lunch, so I'm all good. <laughs> nice. What'd she bring you? Uh, teriyaki madness. Oh, yum. <laughs> yeah. Yum. I love teriyaki. Um, well, cool. So what's, what's been going on? We're going to, we're just going to start over, you know, from earlier. So, um, yeah. so what's up? So what's, um, what's good? So I heard a really cool miracle. You want to hear it? Yeah. I'd love to. Okay. So, you know, I'm in the school of supernatural ministry out of Bethel, right? Uh huh. Yep. And one of our lessons, one of our lectures, um, our teacher told us Ben Armstrong, He's out of Germany. He um, runs a ministry there called Awaken something or other. But anyway, so he said that there was this kid, a 15-year-old kid on a bus. And um, and he, he stood up on the bus and he said, Jesus loves you and he wants to be your friend. And okay. this guy in the back of the bus stood up and said, shut up and sit down. Nobody <laughs> wants to hear that. And so the kid sat down, but then the Holy Spirit told him to get back up and say something else. So the kid got back up and he said, um, he said, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And he wants to be your friend. And so the guy started running towards the kid. He was going <laughs> to kick his butt. He was so mad at him for talking like that. So then the guy, his son said, Dad, don't hurt him. And the dad fell to the ground and started weeping. Really? His son was mute his whole life. And those were the first words he spoke. Oh, wow. Wow. Isn't that's that, a, that crazy. That has a twist to it at the end. <laughs> right? <laughs> wow. That's insane. That, that's cool, though. You know, I love hearing stories like that. You know, um, speaking of stories, I wanted you to finish, uh, actually start over with the, the camping story. Cause I liked where that was going. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah. So my dad, when we were kids, he took us camping huh? and wherever we went, there was like some bugs there. They were like getting in our mouths and smacking us in the head. And, and <laughs> we couldn't, we couldn't set up our tent because it was crazy. So we all got back in the, in our 15 passenger van. I have nine brothers and sisters. And my, my one brother stayed back because um, he had some sports or something to do. Uh-huh. And so when we got there, when we got back home, all his high school friends were over and they were having a party and drinking and stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And so my dad just walked in the house. I was right by my dad. And my dad didn't say anything. And my brother just turned around and told all his friends, okay, guys, it's time to go. <laughs> and, um, and so my dad just walked out to the backyard for a cigarette. And mm-hmm. my brother's friends just all packed up and left. Mm-hmm. And I was in a prayer meeting this morning. And God showed one of my friends that that was the Holy Spirit, set, like letting us experience those bugs at the campsite. So yeah. we would get back home to stop that party because something bad was going to happen at that party that would mm-hmm. ruin my brother for the rest of his life. Oh, wow. Yeah, isn't that crazy? So yeah. God showed her that. And that was so, I still, I got to tell my brother. I didn't tell my brother yet. I've been so busy <laughs> But yeah, isn't that crazy? Well, yeah, it, it kind of caught my attention because, like, I used to have people over. All, like, my parents would, would go out of town all the time, so I wow. always, had, I always had people over, and you know, I was good about it. You know, was good at cleaning up, and then I got a little sloppier and a little sloppier, and then before you know it, a girl's, this girl's dad who I had over calls my dad up. They knew each other, and. uh I heard my dad running up the stairs and I was like, Oh my God, I'm screwed. Uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he came in and just, what the hell are you thinking? Are you crazy? That's so-and-so's daughter. I was like, I didn't know that dad, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. it was the guy my dad went to college with. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. He was not happy. Small world. <laughs> yeah. Me with me with his daughter. They didn't like that. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I used to do parties all the time, and you know, it's eventually just <laughs> my parents said enough is enough. We're we're not yeah. going out, not going out of town anymore until you get responsible, right? You know, and here I am, forty years old. I'm still trying to get responsible, you know. But. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I wanted to ask you, um, without saying any any parts of it because it's a secret, my speech. So, what were your what were your thoughts? Oh my gosh. It was so humble and so honoring to those who helped you along your journey. Mm-hmm. And it made me cry, Keith. Oh my gosh. And I don't cry. Like I'm not a big, like I don't, I, for some reason I I don't really cry easily. You can handle it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like I'm really strong, but that, yeah. just, that was really precious and, and intentional and sweet and thoughtful and caring and loving and, just so amazing you've been through so much and you just carry yourself so well and you communicate so well and Uh yeah i was i was very proud of you that's so cool well thank you well you'll get in a couple weeks you'll get to see me recite it so i can't wait i'm looking forward to it you're gonna nail it you're gonna crush it you think so oh yeah are you (laughs) kidding me you're awesome yeah i think so too at least I hope so. <laughs> I'm really good at giving speeches. So, you know, everybody's nervous. Like this girl that I'm that I'm doing it with, like I talked to her earlier and she's so nervous about it. I'm like, just go up there and be yourself, you know? Like, yeah. like I was, like my mindset was, you know, be humble and, and you know, be be mature about it. And, you know, so, yeah. so it'll work out. But um, so we have a guy on this evening that's coming on the podcast. Um, This guy, Brian. And he was an airline pilot, and he, um, I don't know the story, but he ended he ended up getting sober, so he's coming over tonight. Um, oh, praise God! I'm, I'm interviewing him. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened with him, and I thought he was flying airplanes drunk, but <laughs> you never you, you never know these you days. You never know. You never know. 
you know, people cover that up and everything. And it's just, you know, my stepdad's a pilot for Southwest. Oh, okay. And he's in with them, but he's getting ready to retire, you know. But um, did, he, did he participate in that sick out that they did regarding the vaccine mandates? No, him and my mom, they've been on vacation for almost a month in uh, New Mexico. Oh, how fun. Yeah, they go they go every year for a month. Uh, and they, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, they rent a house in uh, in Santa Fe up in the hills. Uh-huh. So I've, I've never been in New Mexico, but they, they love Santa Fe. They go up there, like I said, once a year. And they, you know, last year, my brother couldn't come this time because he's busy. But my brother and his wife and, and daughter, they came last year out there and had a really good time. Oh, that's cool. But they drove. They drove out there from uh, New Orleans. And. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, because they, I mean, they want to ha- have a car and stuff there, so, you know. They don't, they don't yeah. want to rent a car for a month, you know. <laughs> Right. Sure, that's pricey. But uh, so has tell me how school going? School is going really well. Tell oh my gosh, that. I'm learning so much. That. Yeah. Um. So they have what are called advanced ministry training classes, uh-huh. and there are four to choose from. We okay. we have to pick two out of the four, but because some of us were hungry to learn more. They let us take all four and I'm one of those people that I'm taking all four classes Uh and I'm doing the homework. I'm not just auditing them and not doing the homework. I'm doing all the homework, all the quizzes, everything. And it's so like the pages of notes from one of the classes on Tuesday Uh is like four pages long, single space, 10 font. Oh, it is no joke. And fonts little. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I was, I was typing up a document the other day and it was on 11 and they had to switch it because it was so darn small. I could barely see it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So how many hours a week are you doing over there? Um, let's see. I think I do uh, at least 15 hours, maybe, oh, maybe wow. 16 or 17. Wow. So that's like a, that's like a part-time job. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I know I know you're committed to it and everything, which is awesome. You know, I think that's so cool. I think that's so cool how you're taking time to do all that. You know, because I mean, I know you know a lot about the Bible already. You know, I'm sure, but um, just get more in depth with it. I bet mean, that's got to be really cool, and you know, learn a lot of neat things, huh? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Learning yeah. how to actually read the Bible, how uh-huh. to analyze it for like cultural context. Really? I'm taking a women in ministry class, uh-huh. how Jesus championed women, because some people use verses in the Bible out of context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. I can hear you. yeah. <clears throat> um, some people say that women shouldn't be in ministry, that we shouldn't be pastors and preachers and teachers and stuff. Uh-huh. But the Bible says differently. So I'm learning about all of that, you know, because when Jesus came to set the captives free, he set women free, too, because we were very oppressed in culture. Sure. And the patriarchy over the years in the church has tried to keep women silent, has, has tried to keep us from, yep. from talking and contributing. Yep. But we have so much to say. And women and men are different, you know, like we each have our gifts to bring to the table. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and I'm just learning how the Bible champions, you know, female um, teachers, preachers and pastors and stuff like that. So that's mm-hmm. exciting. I'm really happy to be learning about all that. That's that's really cool. My um, my ex girlfriend, she was a Eucharistic minister at, at the church. Uh-huh. And my dad, he used to on Sundays 
Like my dad's an early bird on the weekends. Like my mom sleeps till like nine, you know, she sleeps in. So my dad, he would, he couldn't wait to go to church. So he'd get up and go to the seven thirty mass, you know, by himself every, every week. Uh-huh. You know? And then, um, you know, it'd be funny because we, we go and then, you know, he'd be, he'd go up and down the aisles collecting the money and stuff and just seeing my dad do it. Like, it was so funny. Like he was at work, or, like he was at work or something, you know? Yeah, that's cute. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. That's good that Bible school is going well for you. You know, that's I, I, that's so cool that you're doing that. That is so cool. You know, Thanks. how much longer does how much longer do you go for? Um, well, um, I finished my first year in May and then I started my second year in September mm-hmm. and it finishes in May. And then I have another year to go after that. So I'm about a third of the way through. Golly, you're going to learn so much more, too. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm fired up. So every class, I mean, do you learn something new like every class pretty much? Yes, absolutely. That is, that is so cool. That is way yeah. cool. Yeah, I try to, when I post on my Facebook, uh-huh. I post what I'm learning. Like I post the yeah. inspiration yep. and what I'm learning and quotes from my classes. And, I love them. I you love know, stuff like that. So you guys can kind of follow along and get yep. a little I, bit of it too. And I do. I love, I love it. I love it all. You know, people like, I got some friends that aren't even into the church really. And this one buddy of mine, he's, um, he, you know, he's really into the Bible. He's not a real religious guy, but he just, he loves the Bible and he loves the scriptures in the Bible. Um, uh-huh. my, um, my best friend, he killed himself years ago, uh, Nate. And, uh, oh, I'm sorry. In Salt Lake. Yeah, it was tough, but he was a, he was an army guy. He went to, you know, Baghdad and just saw some really, really messed up things that he could never recovered from, you know? Oh yeah. I remember you telling me. Yeah. And, and Nate, he was never really a religious guy, but he was like, we talk about books and history and he, he would always quote the Bible. He's like, Keith, you don't have to like, be really into God to read it. It's an incredible book, you know, like I get a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I always thought that was cool, you know, like that he acknowledged that, you know? Yeah. You know, it's but, the uh, only Bible that reads us. It's the only book that reads us. You know? Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's yeah. really cool. <laughs> that's really cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, anything else good going on? I was just wanted to touch base with you, you know, before I interviewed uh, Brian. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, just really quick. When we read yeah. the Bible, uh-huh. neuroscience has proven that it builds new pathways in our brain. So oh. in Romans, it says to renew your, uh, to transform your mind by the renewing, renew your mind by the transformation or something like that. Uh-huh. I'm yeah. messing it up. But anyway, when you read the Bible, you literally create new pathways and highways in your brain. And you're making a new brain, you know, you're, you're, you're changing your brain, you're transforming your brain. Reprogramming it pretty much. Yes, yes, yes. That's awesome. I I like that. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, it's scientifically proven. It's neuroscience. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) So if the world is getting you down or you have anxiety or you're Mm -hmm. just depressed or you're mad or any kind of negative emotion, you just open the Bible and start reading. I like to like you know, say today's the 15th. I like to read Psalm 15 and mm-hmm. Proverbs 15 and go like that, you know, and just read through and God will speak to you through it for sure. I have uh, I have the app on my phone. Oh, cool. The, the Bible app. Yeah. I, need, I just got it. I haven't really looked at it, but I, I'm curious to see how, how the layout is on it. 
Oh yeah, they do like a verse of the day, and they have reading plans. Oh really? <clears throat> yeah, it's it's really fun. Yeah. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take some time and get on that. So cool. But well, Tisa, love you as always, and I really appreciate you coming on. And um, I spoke to Eric. I'm hoping to get him one night next week, so maybe we could all get together and uh, see what Eric's been up to. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, I love you too. Thanks for having me. Of course. Talk to you next time. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. All right, what's up, buddy? Hey, man, how's it going? Good. Hey, guys, I'm here with uh, Ryan. He's a friend of mine. He lives in my apartment complex. Uh, he actually contacted me, and he wants to come on and tell a story. So uh, take it away, bud. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll just start from like when I was a when I was a young kid, just kind of give you a little bit of family dynamic sure. and everything, so you can kind of draw the the big picture. So um, I grew up in a in a pretty normal family from what I thought was normal. Um, however, my parents did divorce when I was four years old. I've got one younger brother. He's a year younger than I am. And then we've got a, a sister a year younger than he is. Okay. So that's two years younger than me. Okay. And then an older sister who's four years older than I am. Okay. Had a brother that was a one year older than I was, but he died when he was just a baby. So I didn't know him. Yeah. So anyways, uh, I'm from Vernal, Utah. Kind of a small. Is that is that out out east? Yeah, it's uh, like if you're going to like past Eber City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Highway yeah. Forty. Like if you're going to Colorado. Okay. Yep. It's an oil field town. Oh yeah. Yeah. You go through there and you see. Yeah. 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 So um, anyway, born and raised there. Um, so uh, my dad ended up uh, moving or got a job out here in Salt Lake and so we were young kids and he didn't want to uproot us right so mm-hmm. we started living with my grandparents and it, I mean we were young you know it was fun sure I mean they did everything for us you know I mean it was just like dad was just gone you know I mean it was no big deal yeah that's nice and I didn't realize how lucky we were until I get older but my you know my dad drove back every single weekend he never missed it Ever. Really, it's snow doesn't. I mean, it didn't matter. He was always there on the weekends. Vernal, is that is that flat or is that up in the hills? Uh, it's in the basin. Okay. So if you go past Roosevelt and then mm-hmm. Vernal, and then it's like twenty minutes after that, you're on the border okay. of Colorado. Yep. So, um, so anyways, I mean, we we had a pretty good childhood, um, uh, and then my dad ended up, you know. He didn't get transferred back to Vernal like he thought he did. So we, uh-huh. we us kids moved out to Salt Lake, and yeah. that's when everything kind of uh, kind of started taking a place. It, it how, just, how old were you when you moved out here? So we, I moved out here when I was in the fourth grade. Okay. And we moved out to West Valley City. Um, <clears throat> my dad, you know, had to work, so us kids were were home, and my older sister ended up becoming our babysitter, basically, you know. And so, and how much older was she then? Four years older. Uh, four years older. Yeah. Okay. So I'm in fourth grade. She's in eighth grade, right? She's our she's the the babysitter. So we just like <laughs> played baseball on the street and did all kinds of stuff. But that's when I actually ran into you know people that were 
they didn't do the things that we did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's where I tried my first alcohol. I had a mm-hmm. beer, a kid's mm-hmm. beer was was over at his house, and his dad drank beer, and we tried it. Um, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I thought it was the nastiest stuff ever. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, cigarettes. We tried cigarettes for the first yeah. time. You know, and and I remember doing that, and I remember the buzz that came with it. With and that the cigarette, was like, yeah, yeah, it was so nasty, but. But that buzz was different. Yeah. You know what I mean? You caught it because you hadn't smoked before, so you got the buzz. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, fast forward to sixth grade, you know, um, I started uh, hanging out with the wrong kids. I mean, you know, these are kids that, you know, run around in gangs and stuff like that yeah. and um, started skipping school a lot. I mean, a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, that's when I huffed gas for the first time. And huffed gas? Huffed gas, gasoline. Absolutely. What does that do? <laughs> like it's uh, you just like huffed it and it until you almost like pass out really, and it's just it's killing all your brain cells. Yeah, is what it's, it's doing. It's like huffing duster. Dude. It's, it's like, the same thing. It's the same okay. type of thing. It's okay. a, from what I I've never done duster, but I've heard it's the same thing. You feel so stupid. You do it. And you're like, yeah. why did I just do that? Yeah, you, you know? don't know. You don't yep. know what you're doing for a yep. minute. Yep, that's exactly. You hear the what wah, wah 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 going on. That's yep. yeah. But for some reason, we kept doing it. You know, and it's what we do. And it was, you know, it's kind of embarrassing, but I mean, yeah, that's what, that's kind of what started all of it. You know, um, tried marijuana for the first time, I think, in uh, sixth grade as well. Um, by the time I hit seventh grade, my dad could, had seen like where we were headed, you know, and he didn't want that for his kids, mm-hmm. so he got a transfer back to Vernal. Okay. So I go from hanging out with with guys that are you know hanging, they're you know sagging their pants mm-hmm. and. Wearing Raiders jackets because Raiders were the big thing back then, you yeah. know. To Vernal, and everybody's wearing cowboy boots. Oh yeah, and Wranglers. Yep, totally different. Dude, it was a culture shock. Yeah, I was like, I didn't really know how to handle it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of felt like I was uh, trying to find out who I was because all of a sudden, you know, hey, these guys. And you aren't... were you were still in the sixth grade. A seventh grade. Seventh grade. Now. Okay, yep. that's right. You know, and I'm. And these guys aren't bad, you know, they're, they're cool guys, you know? And so I, I was seeing, they're looking at the differences and, you know, I was pretty naive, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I think anybody that age pretty much is, yeah. you know I mean? Yeah. I had no idea, yeah. you know, I didn't, I mean, I didn't even think about college. Mm-hmm. Even through high school, I didn't think about college, to be honest. And so, um, anyway, so, you know, I had kind of an identity crisis. Um, 11th grade comes around and me and a friend decided that uh, that we're going to join the Marine Corps. Okay. Because, I mean, what else are we going to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we go down and take the ASVAB test, and mm-hmm. that was kind of the first time that I ever realized that if I applied myself, I wasn't actually as dumb as I thought I was, you know? Because I, I scored pretty well on it, and... In fact, I it was well enough that they actually gave me like an in writing a a thing where I could go in as a private first class mm-hmm. in a helicopter pilot. Oh, cool! And so, but like again, I was all about the you know my girlfriend. We were and we were drinking a lot at this time, mm-hmm. and alcohol was a big thing. Yeah, and and we partied all summer long, you know. And time came for us to to go out to uh, to San Diego, uh-huh. and we fly out to San Diego and. And uh, me and my friend are standing in line, and they have this moment where it's called the moment of truth, is what they called it. 
And basically, you go into this room, and it's somebody, you know, like a sergeant, or I don't know how, what his level was, but yeah. he was like, all right, so this is the opportunity that we give you where you can come clean with anything that you've done in the past, anything illegal, I mean, are you in a gang, you know, have you got any charges that we don't know about, have you been stealing stuff, yeah. you know what I mean? Well, my friend was in front of me, okay, so he goes in first, and all of a sudden, he comes out, and he's like, hey, man. I'm going home. Screw this place. And I'm like, what? I mean, we were best friends, plans. dude. Yeah, like, yeah, we yeah, were going to yeah. go through it together. We were going to go through it. We were going to marry our girlfriends, which they were best friends as well, too. So it was a click. Yeah. So it was devastating when my friend came out and said that. So he's like, all you got to say is that, that you uh, did marijuana, that you smoked marijuana. She's like, just lie to him. I'm like, okay. And they're like, next. So I walk in mm-hmm. and I lie. <laughs> I lie, dude. I tell them that I smoke marijuana. And they're like, well, how much do you smoke the uh, marijuana? And I'm like, uh... He said, uh, the, he said the marijuana. The marijuana, yeah. yeah. And, like, and I don't know if he said the marijuana. Yeah. But, you know what I mean? But that's how naive I was. I didn't even smoke it. I've never, you know, I hadn't done it yet. And so, uh, uh, yeah, so they put us in a platoon to go home. And, yeah, they, they, they uh, discharged us both. Why, because you smoke marijuana? Yep. Yep. Really? And yep, they had over recruited is what happened. Believe it or not, back then I guess it was What year was this? This was nineteen ninety seven. Okay, so between the wars. Yep. Yeah. After, yeah. Yep. So it was nineteen ninety seven. Uh we chose December because December was crappy in Salt Lake mm-hmm. and or yeah. you know, in Utah <laughs> and it was nice and warm in San Diego, so that's when that's yeah. when we decided to go down. But anyway, we get put in a platoon to go home and um you know, karma's funny how you look back in life and and you'll I'm going to come back to this a little bit yeah. later, a little bit later on, and you'll see why it was a big, huge turning point in my life. I mean, I just let go of a career that had, that was going to offer stability, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, structure. You know, and I was a kid who was going down the wrong hill. You know, I was drinking a lot, and I needed that structure. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what else to do in life either. I didn't have a, a plan for a career. And man, what a thing to waste off a lie about using drugs. That's the, that's the killer part of it, right? So, um, you know, I come back to Salt Lake and uh, I needed something to do. So um, I moved from Vernal to Salt Lake City and I moved in with my sister, my older sister. And her boyfriend seemed to be husband. Um, so about this time, so this is 2001, a couple years go by, 2001, and I got a job working for Larry H. Miller at the Chevrolet store, and I ended up meeting my first wife down there, and, you know, it was my first love, I guess you could say, I mean, I had a girlfriend in high school, but it's not the same, you know, when, when you... When you fall in love big time enough to get married, it's a it's a big change. Um, a lot of firsts, you know, first Christmas, your first everything. So it's just really it's got a lot of memories and emotion tied to it. And she was a she was a a really awesome person. I mean, we we went around and we did everything. We traveled. Um, we just had a lot of fun. So I decided to to get married and. You know, a friend of mine told me, hey, man, you got to do it. If you don't do it now, you're never going to do it. How old were you this time? 
23, I think. Okay. And, um, yeah, dude, he talked me into marrying her. So I got a ring, and I ended up, uh, I was doing mortgages at this time. Okay. The mortgage industry was just booming. Yeah. And so my friend had started up his own mortgage company and talked me into going over there, and Man, we just went over and we had to basically teach ourselves how to do mortgages. Really? Yeah, we did. And man, we were killing it. We were doing really, really well. It was good back then. It was really well. And uh, so anyways, uh, for my birthday that year, my wife ended up, she knew that I loved airplanes. So my mom was a flight attendant for Continental Airlines when we were young kids and when my parents, you know, they were divorced. And so when we were living in Salt Lake, you know, back when I was in fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade... I would call up the reservation desk and ask her, ask them, hey, can you look at my mom's schedule and tell me when she's going to be in Salt Lake next? And they would tell me, this is a pre-9-11, man. Yeah. And so I would ride my bike yeah. down Bangor Highway, 12 years old, all the way down to the Salt Lake Airport, <laughs> park my bike at, the, at Terminal 1, you oh, know? Oh, yeah. And then walk all the way up there and surprise my mom when she walked off the plane. And man, talk about a surprise, dude. She's getting off work, right? And all of a sudden she walks out and your son, her son's there, you know? Mm -hmm. And so uh, I had a fascination with airplanes, you know, and I had that tied to my mom too, you know? I loved my mom. I missed my mom. My mom wasn't in my life like I wanted in, and airplanes is what she did. So I Mm kind of had a fascination for it, I guess you could say. And so anyway, you know, I carried with me through my, throughout my life and my, my wife ends up buying me a introductory flight to the Provo Airport, and it's like forty five dollars, uh-huh. and you go up with a flight instructor, and you get forty five minutes or so, and they take you up flying, and you actually get to fly. They give you the controls and everything. Really? Yeah, and so I went up and flew. What kind of, what kind of plane was it? It was a Katana. They still have them so down there right now. Single engine. It's a single engine. Yeah. It's almost like a glider with an engine on it. Yep. <laughs> it's got the it's got the yoke in the in between your legs like a fighter pilot yep. would be. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Only enough room for you know one person or two people in, mm-hmm. in this one, you know. <clears throat> so I go up and I fly and I'll tell you what, that was all it took. I was hooked. I knew without a doubt what I wanted to do in life. I wanted to be a pilot. And there was nothing on this earth that was gonna tell me no, I couldn't do mm-hmm. it. So the problem was, is I didn't know how, I, didn't, I thought it was out of my reach, you know, financially. Yeah. I, I mean, I wanted to be a pilot, but I didn't think I could actually do it. Mm-hmm. And I started talking to, because I went down to the school and did the, the intro flight, they had a, a person call me and ask me if I wanted to enroll in their school. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't have the money, you know, my, my family doesn't have the money to mm-hmm. go through college. None of us had gone through college, yeah. you know. <clears throat> and so that's when uh, I found out that the good old state of Utah, you know, you can actually get loans. And you don't need your parents, to, you know, to co-sign it, you yeah. know. You hear is yeah. what it is. And so she told me that day, you know, hey, the semester is starting tomorrow. If you don't do it now, you're never going to do it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I did it. I, she signed me up that night. I remember I went down to Walmart and I bought me like a notepad and paper and pen and stuff. I didn't even need it really, you know what I mean? I laugh at it now because yeah. it's like, oh my gosh, you know? I thought I was like going back to you know elementary school. But anyway, I go to college and oh my gosh, I just, I fell in love with it, man. Mm-hmm. And unlike a lot of other careers, flying is one of those where you, 
you read about what you're going to study the next day, mm-hmm. and then like you'll read chapter one, and then you go out and apply that the very next day. So you start flying day one oh, okay. of college. Cool. It's not like you have to wait you know months down the yeah. road or whatever. You get flying right off the bat, and so it hooks you. And that's what you need oh, yeah. though, because it's a lot of schooling and it's a lot of hard work. Yeah, you know, and and so. Man, that was fun though, dude. I mean, we would, <laughs> I would fly. I had to accrue hours. You know, you have to you have to get you know so many hours to even interview for the airlines, and so that's your job. Yeah. Get good grades, learn, and fly your tail off. You know, yeah. you got to get them hours. Mm-hmm. And so, how many hours did you have to get? Uh, back then, it was fifteen hundred, and that's really what it is now, I believe. Okay. And but then. By the time I finished, though, they lowered it down to a thousand. Oh, really? Yeah, they had a really big shortage, and so mm-hmm. that helped me when it came time because mm-hmm. um, I'm not going to jump too far ahead. But <coughs> we're gonna let's take a yeah, quick break, and uh, we'll be back in just a minute. Yeah, sounds good. Good. Hey guys, and we're back. Go ahead, bud. All right, so uh, we left off where I was flying. So I started uh, going to school, flight, you know, flight school and stuff. And uh, I was doing mortgages at this time, so I was really, really lucky, man. Um, you know, a lot of people go through college, and it's really hard financially for them. I never had that. You know, I was, uh, you know, didn't work too hard really. I did, and uh, the money just seemed to be coming easy. You know, and. I made good money and uh, it freed up a lot of time for me to go and fly and that I did man I started flying a lot uh, decided to, you know, to marry um, to get married actually because we had dated for years before we did you know actually got married so I ended up surprising her with a wedding in, in Maui and it was kind of a gamble really because you know a girl usually has her has her uh, wedding picked out right mm-hmm. the way they want oh, it yeah. they, they've got all visioned and you know her family and everything and and i couldn't tell her family about it because they would they'd blow the whole surprise yep. so i kept a secret from her family mm-hmm. and planned out planned it all man i had a wedding dress made for her. i had a video videographer photographer i mean it was on the beach it was awesome man Hell yeah. and uh kind of romantic at heart you know what i yeah, mean yeah. so but i had it planned out really good man so Flew to Maui and surprised her, and uh, surprised her I did, man. We, we ended up getting married, and uh, that was really good. But, you know, it's kind of a funny thing sometimes when you get married, it, everything changes. Yeah. And, you know, we were so close and so together, and then as soon as we got married, it only lasted a year. Really? Yep, a year and... Uh, I know many people have that's happened too. Yep, a year and I was divorced. But right before, right before we divorced, or... Yeah, before we divorced, she ended up having surgery, and the doctor sent her home with a bottle of Percocet. Percocet tans, I remember. Where it all begins. Yep. Well, I had never had, had you know, I've never had, I'd, I've never even like dangled any of that. I mean, I just drank. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it was socially at that. So I remember coming home and ended up. Uh, 
trying one of her pills for some reason, and holy crap. <laughs> Get that warm feeling. I had the, it was just like somebody with a warm blanket just yeah, hugged me. That's exactly what it is. And I don't even smoke, but my friend did. And I started smoking and I chain smoke like you wouldn't believe. I, 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 that's all I wanted to do is just smoke when I was high. Oh, yeah. And it was like three days later, her pills were all gone. She didn't have any of them. And I had had all of them, right? <laughs> and, but... No flags even went up. I mean, the only flag that went up was, oh my gosh, I ran out. That sucks. Mm-hmm. You know, but I didn't know that, this is how naive I was. I didn't realize that there was a, a black market for it, like the streets. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I didn't know that you could go downtown and buy stuff like I from people. Yeah. Never even occurred to me, to be honest. I had never seen meth at this time. Mm-hmm. I had never seen Coke. I, the only thing I'd ever seen was marijuana and beer. And so, and even the pharmaceuticals, I had never even touched mm-hmm. all the way through high school. So I guess, you know, I was pretty square, to be honest. Yeah, yep. <laughs> you know, other than the drinking. So that was the first time I tried uh, pain pills. And, you know, her and I divorced that summer. And, man, everything was going good. I had this the single life going. My, my friend moved in with me. Um, you know, had the Corvette, had the had like several of the cars and everything. I was juggling everything. I was affording it, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, overnight, the interest rates jumped with the mortgage industry. What year was that? This was two thousand three, mm-hmm. two thousand two, something like that. And I lost my butt, man, mm-hmm. and I went into a huge depression, a very bad depression. I mean, I did. I didn't want to come out of the house. And I started drinking a lot, and um, yeah, everything just kind of fell apart. Well, this is the time where I met my my second wife, Teresa. Um, I met her in a, a meteorology class actually in college, and you know, I'm sitting there. I went to class early one day, and she's I hear this girl, and she's just sailor mouth man, just going off on the phone with her friend. And I had never heard a girl talk like this. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. I was telling my friend, I'm like, dude, you won't believe what this, how this girl talks, you know? Well, we ended up sitting next to each other, and she's seen my screensaver on my laptop, and it had airplanes on it. Well, her dad was a Navy fighter pilot. Her grandpa was a captain for United Airlines. And so she had aviation in her family, and that's what sparked the whole conversation. So her and I ended up becoming friends. I mean, best friends. We never dated, but we were just friends. You know, and she, we would talk for hours, and I mean, it was just, it was great, but I never, you know, never seen the whole road of, you know, uh, how that kind of can wrap a couple up. You know what I mean? I mean, I didn't realize that you could be best friends and then get married. I just thought it was. You know, yeah. I don't know. You know what I mean? I yeah, just, yeah, I, just yeah. I just didn't know, dude. Yeah, I did, I wasn't even wanting to get married. I never mm-hmm. seeked. I never. She was just one of my. She was a kick-ass friend. Yeah. You know. Well, um, so while while I was uh, seeing her after the first year, she um, she was pregnant. Actually, she was uh, being a surrogate for her best friend's okay. sister. And so after she ended up having the baby, that's when all of a sudden her and I decided to date. And it just, as you can imagine, we were best friends already. Mm -hmm. There was nothing that we had to keep a secret from each other. That's what was so cool. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was myself. 
when I met her, you know what I mean? And so it was just, it was really, really good. Well, she works in the, um, the restaurant industry and okay. the restaurant industry has a lot of, uh, a lot of different characters, I guess you could say yeah, that, yeah. that work there, you know, you have the open bar and I loved the open bar. I'd go down and hang out to talk to her or girlfriends and, you know, the next thing I realized, you know, I'm just at the bar just, all of a sudden it was just too many to drink, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And she would have to drive me home and stuff. And, you know, school's going well, though. I'm, I'm, I'm still flying and everything's doing really well. Well, one day we ended up having a party over at our house and a friend of a friend came by and this friend had Coke. Okay. And so I tried poke for the first time. I was mm-hmm. drunk and decided, well, why not? Yeah. It's, you know, what yeah. could it hurt? Yeah. Well, I loved it. You know, mm-hmm. I loved it. Um, Me too. <laughs> you know, it ended up being a, you know, big party drug. And it, man, I loved, there was, I loved doing it and going to the club, you know, with all of our friends and all of us, you know, we'd go down and, but nobody really knew what I was doing. You know, I mean, sometimes they, she knew, but for the most part, I kept a secret. So, and so she couldn't tell, like when you were, she she <laughs> she knew at first, yeah. Okay. She knew at first, but she then she told me I needed to stop, you know, and mm-hmm. it wasn't a, you know, she didn't approve of it, yeah. and that's when I started hiding it, mm-hmm. trying to act normal. And man, that's really horrible, man. I, to to yeah, be in that mindset that, and yeah. trying to act like you're normal, it's, you know, trying to lay, you know, you're laying in bed. The buzzkill. You're laying in bed, trying not to move because you want to pretend like you're sleeping, but you're not sleeping. Oh, oh it's I hate horrible. That. I hate that. There is, there's no, it's so much, it's so painful, and I don't know, even know why we do it, but we did it. Um, so I'm getting into my uh, my fourth year of of college, and mm-hmm. I mean, I'm working in the in the airline industry. I'm actually working, you know, I, I did reservations at Delta Airlines, um, and then I worked down at the airport, refueled the airplanes like a Southwest and stuff and um, you know trying to get a feel of different types of you know stuff while I was working towards the pilot so I knew how everything worked mm-hmm. well somebody from her actually the guy that was selling me the the uh, coke introduced me to meth <laughs> and wow <laughs> that was uh, I, I just couldn't believe it I mean it was like it I never, volume. I had never had so much energy in my life. It's a different volume, dude. You know what I mean? It was, it was crazy, mm-hmm. and it was like a one-time thing. You know, it, we, I tried it; it was great. And then, um, but anyway, going back to the, the guy that sold me the coke, right? Mm-hmm. I called him up one day, and I, and he's all, uh, "Well, I don't, I don't sell that stuff anymore, man." And I was like, "What?" He's like, "No, but I, I got them, them '80s." I said, what's an 80? He said, Oxycon. What's an Oxycon? <laughs> there you go. He's like, he's go. like, all right, man. Just, he's like, as a pain pill, just try it. You know, I'm like, all right. Well, how, how much? You know, and he tells me it's, you know, 60 bucks. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. People actually pay that for these things? He's like, yeah. So anyway, I, that was the worst thing I ever did, man. I, I should have never ever ever tried it. How did, how did you do it when you first tried it the first time? I snorted it. You snorted it? Yep. Yeah. And because I asked him, I'm like, well, what do you do? Just take it? He's like, no, go home and, you know, snort it. You know, and I'm like, all right. Well, he didn't tell me, you know, to snort half of it or even a quarter of it. I went home and did the whole thing. And it was snowing that day. 
And I remember it snowed like 10 inches of snow, and I bought a brand new, great big Troy built snowblower from Lowe's, mm-hmm. you know, and brought it home. And I'm outside in shorts, a t shirt, <laughs> chain smoking, and I was snowblowing everybody's driveway. <laughs> I even did the entrance into the LDS church. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. I didn't, cause I, it's funny because I could see myself doing yeah. the same exact thing. I, I actually kind of did once, but it was with a snow shovel. So. Yeah, and my wife, my wife knew. She knew, yeah. man. I mean, and she smoking, you know? smoking was not allowed. You know, and she was at work and when I was smoking, so I would try to cover it up. You know, it's, there's, there's no way you can cover it up. Um, so, anyway, uh, you know, the myth came back into play, and we we tried it a, a couple times, and it was a uh, you know, it wasn't for her. She doesn't like pills. She doesn't like drugs. Nothing like that. And so, yeah. we made a vow to to quit everything. I needed to get my head back because I had missed a semester in school. And so I was afraid that I wasn't going to go back and finish school. I was really afraid of that, really. And so we made a commitment to stop, and I stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, I stopped long enough that I ended up going down to Las Vegas, and I became a flight instructor. Really? And that's a, that's a good way for people that want to be in the airline industry that they can accrue the hours because somebody else is paying for the flight time. Yeah. And I get to log it because I'm instructing them. See? And not only that, it's fun, man. So I, I had all these students, and we would, uh, I would plan trips up to like San Diego, or to, sorry, I'd start up like in Seattle, mm-hmm. toward Boeing, and then we'd fly the coast all the way down, dude. Oh, wow. Like, it was so beautiful flying, you know, California. Oh, yeah. You know, going over Pebble Beach, and just, I mean, all that is mm-hmm. so much fun. Going down to San Diego, and then come back up to Las Vegas, we'd land, have fuel, mm-hmm. have a hundred dollar hamburger is what they call it you know because it's so expensive to fly you <laughs> yeah. know and then we'd fly home and that was the you know that was a the weekend trip you know mm-hmm. that i'd take yeah. with my students um so i i ended up getting my flight instructor certificate and man the industry the airline industry was just hopping it was i mean it was busy if you had enough hours you were gonna get hired somewhere mm-hmm. and i got my hours a lot faster than i anticipated a lot faster and before I knew it, after like four months, I had enough hours to, to apply. So my uncle, um, he was working for uh, Continental, Continental Express, and uh, he... Continental, th- those are like the, the smaller commuter jets? It's like, yeah, it's like SkyWest yeah. is out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. it's a smaller commuter jet. So it was Express Jet okay. is what it's called. They are now part of SkyWest. SkyWest bought them out now. So. Okay. But yeah, so it was. Uh, they're based out of Houston, and basically they flew all the Continental Airlines uh, network. So we had bases in Houston, uh, Cleveland, Newark, some in LA. But uh, anyway, I ended up applying for it, and I I go into my interview, and I remember I, I walked in there, and I didn't even get to finish filling out the application when they called me up, mm-hmm. and got hired. Just like that, and it was uh, it was one of the best days of my life. Mm-hmm. I still to this day I don't think there's very very little things that can top that day. Mm-hmm. And my family was all in Maui. You know, this is right around Christmas. It was December sixth, mm-hmm. so it was right before Christmas. And so I quit my job that day, you know, and <laughs> and flew uh, flew home, grabbed some clothes, and went right out to Maui and joined up with my family. You know, nice. went out there for a week, and so it was great. And I had this whole life ahead of me mm-hmm. I mean it was 
great, dude. I, I had this dream of being married, having a child and a boy in particular, and being able to fly the whole world on flight benefits for free and just see everything in the world that we wanted to mm-hmm. and have money. And that was an important thing that I wanted. I wanted money. You know, I wanted to be able to buy yeah. things. You yeah. know, I wanted that nice car. I wanted that nice house. I wanted to be able to, you know, stay in, uh, you know, four seasons when I traveled mm-hmm. and stuff like that. <coughs> and here I was, you know, I was on my way. Mm-hmm. So, um, but you know, that stupid little thing, you know, bit me. Ended up coming back home one night and decided, you know, I'm gonna call that guy. And we were just gonna go to the club, you know, and I'm just gonna call him this one time and, and get it, you know. And the airline industry, my routes, cause I was based in, in Houston, so I would have to fly to Houston to start work. Mm-hmm. And I'd fly around for four days, that's and how, then you end in, in that's Houston. That's how my stepdad does it. He's, he lives in New Orleans, but he, he's out of Houston. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. he flies to Houston. and Yeah, so I'd have to there. fly to Houston to start work, and then I'd mm-hmm. end in Houston, and then it's up to me to fly home. Yeah. Right? So I'd just go to the, the board and look at the next flight, because mm-hmm. as a pilot, you can fly any airline in the world, mm-hmm. right? So i just look at the next flight and fly home. Well, anyway, uh, so I would usually work four days on, three days off. And so uh, this is 2007 when this happened. So okay. um, that's when I started the Oxys again. Mm-hmm. I called that guy back and I ended up trying Oxy 80s again. Um, you know, and, and just like with everything, dude, everything started coming apart little by little. And I didn't see it. Didn't see it. You know, I, I thought it was just. You know, she's being ornery at home. I don't know why she doesn't, you know, why is she always on my butt, you know? Why is, why is she, why is she acting like that, you know? Why is she, why is she nervous about me being around other, you know, girls and stuff like, Mm -hmm. just stuff like that, you know? And it never was like that before. And I see it clearly now, you know, it was the drugs. But Mm -hmm. back then, I didn't see that. I just thought it was a, a weekend party thing. So anyway, I would fly home and, and I would I would text him and I remember I got cell phone coverage right over BYU, <laughs> right over the right over the stadium. Yeah, I'd get cell phone coverage and I would send him a text, you know. And those of you know people who are listening, I'm sure can, can clearly understand this one or have experienced it. But when you get that text message back saying, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, come over," yeah, you you automatically get high. Yep. At least I did. Yeah, you know, no, it's, you, it's like when I used to do heroin back in the day. Like when I meeting the guy was part was part of the high. Yeah, you know, like when you see his car pull up, you know everything's gonna be all right. You know, yeah. it's yeah, pins and needles. Yeah. You're, you're sick. You're not feeling good, but yep. man, as soon as yep. you know that you're gonna get it, you're, yep. you're feeling good. You know, yep. but I had it timed out perfectly. I could land, run out. I'd be the first one off the airplane because I was in a jump seat or whatever, uh-huh, you know, yeah. and and I didn't have to wait for my bag or anything. And right now I hit the ATM and on you know on my way home. Mm-hmm. But my wife never knew about it. She didn't know about it. I kept it all a secret. Uh-huh. She yeah. had no idea. My money was my money. Her money was her money. It was, we kind of had a separated yeah, thing, yeah. so so she couldn't manage your money for you. Yeah, yeah. and, and uh, no, I had my money. She yeah. had her money. Yeah, you know what I mean. But we had certain bills that we. Paid. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's how I, I was able to do it, and her not know I was doing it is yeah. because she it's the only she way. didn't see my finances, you know. Man, what a mistake, man! I'll never do that again, ever. No matter, you know, I'm single now, but if I ever get married again, it's not gonna be like that, yeah. ever. Yeah. 
But, um, you know, this is 2007. So, anyways, I started introducing drugs into my life again. Mm -hmm. And what a stupid thing to do. Here I am flying passengers. I wasn't flying high or anything. Mm -hmm. But I would use that first night when I got home because I had three days off. Uh And I'd use the first night and then I'd sober up and get clean. So that by the time I returned back to work on my third day, if I got drug tested, yeah, and that's a big if. Yeah. If I got drug tested, I would I'd be clean. Yeah, most likely, right? A couple of days, yeah. Yeah, three days. So, but then all of a sudden it was like, well, I want to I want to do another pill the next day though too. So now I only have two days, <laughs> right? Now I'm really messing with fire, you know. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, I want to stretch it. That's part of it too, though, you know, like it's. It's just the risk, you yeah. know. Some people, not for me, but a lot of people, they love living on the edge like that, you know. Yeah. Like, I might get far, I might not, <laughs> you yeah. know. And, uh, you know, sharing some of this stuff is kind of, is it's been really hard for me to share it because mm-hmm. I've always kept it a secret because I don't want people to judge me for mm-hmm. it. But I'm kind, of, I'm kind of past that now. But yeah, at this time, you know, I remember I was, uh, I flew into into Ontario and I remember that's in California it was in California yep. yeah Ontario California LA, LA area it, yes it, it, San Bernardino yeah okay yep San Bernardino <coughs> excuse me um, I flew out there and when, when uh, we landed and opened up the gate they had a, a slip it was for UA a drug screening and it was for one of us crew members and my heart hit the floor man because I, I knew I wasn't going to be able to pass and mm-hmm. I'm just like I was sick Literally, I was so scared. I was like almost petrified. I couldn't even hardly move. Yeah. And they came and they asked for the flight attendant. I went home that night and I told my wife, I said, you know, babe, I, I'm lucky. I'm lucky. And so I, I had told her, you know, that, that uh, what I had done, you know, and I was never going to do anything ever again because that was a opening. Yep. To, that, that was like. So you pretty much came clean with her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Than, yeah. Yeah. I, and that's the one thing about me is that I did it. I did a lot because I. I have a guilty conscience, dude. Mm-hmm. Really bad, and it gets me. And yeah. it's you know sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not. But you know what? It it means that I care. You know, and that's yep. the only way I look at. It. I'm human, and I don't like to to live the way that I have been. Yep. You know. So, anyways, uh, that was you know the, the beginning of you know man, I I'm never gonna do that again. You know, but then all of a sudden it just turns into another day, and all of it's not mm-hmm. gonna happen to me. Yep. And you, I forget all about the consequences, and I, I went back to using it again. Um, so there was this one day, and this is kind of like the tipping point of the, of the aviation career, so I'll share it with you real quick. Yeah. Um, so I had to do a round trip. It was two round trips from Kansas City to Louisville, back mm-hmm. to Kansas City, then back to Louisville, mm-hmm. and, um, and then back to Kansas City for the overnight. So anyway... Uh, on the first trip going out to Louisville, I get an email from operations in Houston that said, passenger has left medication in the seat back pocket. Please return to ops if you find it. So I reply back, okay, we'll go, you know, we'll comply, you know? I forget all about it, you know, and we land and all the passengers get off the airplane and I'm walking back to the lab to use the bathroom and the flight attendant comes up to me and she's an older lady, you know, that used to be a school teacher, retired, she wanted to, you know, travel and stuff. She comes up, she's like, oh, sir, somebody left their medicine in the seat back pocket. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember now. You know, I'll take care of it. So I grab it, and I walk back to the lab, and I set it on the, 
on the counter in the bathroom and I'm sitting using the bathroom and I look over at it and holy crap, I double tick. It was a pharmaceutical bottle of Oxyades 500 count. Ones that the pharmacy get, you know, to give out to all the patients and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, my, I just, I, my attic mind, my brain yeah. just went into overdrive. Like, I was scheming, I mean, every single possible scenario that I could think of trying to justify me taking these pills. And I couldn't do it because I remember, I remember sitting there and like, it was like I had the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other one. The mm-hmm. devil's like, take them all. Yeah. Take them all and run with it, man. Mm-hmm. The angel's like, don't Order. do it. Yep. Don't do it because they're going to, this passenger or the, the patient's going to count their pills and they're going to know that some's, are, some's missing. And if they end up calling operations to begin with to track down the pills, trust me when I tell you they are going to count every pill and find out if there's any missing. Yeah, well, it's, yeah. I just, yeah, so I'm going back and forth with myself, right? And the thing I, don't, I didn't realize was that this is a pharmaceutical bottle. So you just have to know that's where my mind was at. I didn't know that. I'm thinking it was a, pa- a, a patient's bottle, like a, a patient's prescription bottle, uh-huh. right? And I didn't realize that there was not a name on it, nothing. Didn't even put two and two together. I was so excited about taking like the pills. Like they were straight from the factory. Straight from the factory. Wow. Which is illegal to have no matter who you are. Even yeah, if, yeah, I was even, wondering like who would even, have that. Even if you're like a pharmacist, leave you can't. You cannot have a, 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 a you know it's a controlled substance. You cannot have a somebody, pharmaceutical bottle. Of somebody had a bad day in an airplane, <laughs> right? Left a bar behind, right? So um, anyway, you know how I justified it? Well, today's day one of a four day trip. I will take some. Hopefully, not enough to notice to be noticeable. But I'm going to take some. I'm going to hide them. I'm going to find the best damn hiding spot I can think of in all of my you know, flight case and whatever, you know, my back. And I'm going to hold on to them. And if I don't hear back about this whole situation, by the time I get back to Salt Lake City in four days, I know I'm good. And then I'll, I, can, I can use them. Yeah. But I can't use them before then because I, take, I risk having operations give us all a UA mm-hmm. if all of a sudden the pills are missing. Mm-hmm. So I end up taking a handful of them. And I go back and, and uh, turn, the, turn the bottle into operations in Louisville. And we so, do her. So whoever lost that bottle, they, they called and said, hey, I left my oh, yeah. medication. Yeah, and, and that's why, that's why wow. they emailed me to, to, find, to find it. And uh-huh. you know what I mean? So, yeah, they went through with it. And that's why I didn't even put two and two but, together. So you were never told, like, somebody left a bottle of Oxys. You were never told that part? Nope. Okay. All they said okay. was a, a, a bottle of a patient's or a passenger's medication. Okay. That's all they told me. And so I never, yeah, I never really thought about it. You know what I mean? And it, all I was thinking was I, if I take them, I can't say that she didn't give them to me because she gave them to me. She's not going to cover for me. She doesn't even know me. You know what I mean? So I was stuck. Everybody knew about it. You know, so I had to turn them in. Yeah. And anyway, uh, I, decided to let, I decided to write it out. Yeah. So I take the pills and we fly back to Kansas City on our last, our last trip and we're sitting out there waiting for the hotel van to show up and all of a sudden these kids, kids, okay, 18 year old kids whistle and they're like, hey sir, hey sir, hold on, hold on. And I'm like, what? Are they talking to us? And the flight attendant's like, oh, that's the kids that left the medicine in the seat back pocket. I'm like, what? I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. He's like, no, no. And they come running up and they're like, hey. Did you find our medicine? 
I'm like, yeah, but we turned it into operations in Louisville. They're like, oh, man, it's supposed to be operations here. I'm like, well, they didn't tell me that. Sorry, man. I, or I would have brought them back. Uh-huh. You know, I just turned them into operations because that's where I was they were, at. They were on the hunt yeah. for that. Yeah. Oh, man, they were. It was like their best friend had just died, you yeah. know, and I get it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I was trying to just be like, oh, wow. So I asked the flight attendant, I said, man, do you, do you realize what kind of pills those were? You had to rob a pharmacy to get it like that. Like, if you want to exactly. get that many, you you performed, yeah, a lick. So that's why they're going crazy on it because they, yeah. you know, they already risked a felony just getting it, you know. That's a lot of money, man. You do 500 times $60, you know, a dollar milligram. Not even a dollar milligram, $60 for yeah. that. That's a lot of money. Yep. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and the flight attendant was like, you know, I remember them. I, remember, I really remember it now. She's like, they were so drunk just off one beer. I couldn't believe it. They were passing out in their, in their seat. That's why they, that's why that's why they, they left the medicine. Left that's why they left it. I said, they weren't, they weren't drunk. Sense. They were so looped on the medication that they were nodding out. And so, anyway, that was my green light, bud. I knew right then and there that they were not going to be calling the police. They were not going to be calling operations and telling them, hey, my medicine's missing. Or some of my pills are missing. (laughs) But that that stuff was in Louisville. I'm in Kansas City. Mm -hmm. Green light. (laughs) You know what I mean? It was party time. Yep. And I run up to the hotel room and I do one. And I'm going to work the next day. So it ends up turning into a really wild night at the bar, man. Uh, needless to say, yeah. me and the other pilot and some other flight tenants went out and we shut the bar down. Mm-hmm. You know, and... Um, how many hours is it, like, from your last drink to, to your next... Like, how much... 12 hours, bottle of throttle. Okay. Yep. Okay. And it, that's a serious thing. Yeah. You know, and that, this is something that I, this is the part where I told you I don't, I'd never talked about because I was so afraid. I want to go back to it. I want to get my wings back so bad. Mm-hmm. And I've always been afraid that if I admit this, I will never fly, ever. Mm-hmm. But then, being in recovery, you know, people get second chances and you, things yeah. work out. Yep. And a lot of it's about being honest and coming clean. Mm-hmm. So I admit it. I ended up going back and I did, I did several oxies and, uh, you know, Flew the next morning. You know, those guys all woke up hurting from hangovers yeah. and everything, you know, just hurting. And man, I was bright, man. <laughs> I was bouncing all over the place, you know, and I flew, <laughs> flew that next leg to Washington, D.C. Just, you know, <laughs> it came back to, we ended up having to stay in Kansas City again. But needless to say, yeah. I, had, I took 18 of them. Mm-hmm. That's how many I got away with, 18. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, I didn't get away with shit. I didn't. It just, it followed me, dude. It was the devil. Yep. It was the worst karma ever. Because that right there was when my career tanked. Mm-hmm. Um, I continued using those pills throughout my whole trip. Um, and by the time I get home, I ran out of, out of pills and I had spent so much money and stuff, I didn't want to. So I, I quit, I, did, I just quit taking them. Mm-hmm. I had no idea anything about physical addiction yeah. I started getting too. sick and I didn't realize that it was because the pills I honestly thought I had the flu yeah I thought I had a sickness and I'm all telling my family man I am so sick I was so sick in Houston Texas that I couldn't even, I had a crash pad out there right uh-huh. it's a house that you rent mm-hmm. you know a whole bunch of pilots will go yeah. and rent a bed 
I had a crash pad and I was so sick I couldn't even get myself on the airplane to fly home into to sleep in my own bed because that three and a half hour flight was just too much. I was that sick. Well, after, after three days, all my days off, I finally, you know, I called in sick to work and I finally got enough to, or I flew home. Mm-hmm. And that's the first thing I did was call my dude up. And that's when I, as soon as I took that pill and I felt better, I, that's when I realized what, what it was. Mm-hmm. And I was screwed. I didn't know how to get out of it, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really didn't. And so it was a scary thing for me. And that's when, you know, my wife knew all about what was going on now because, mm-hmm. I mean, we were full-blown, like, we were barely hanging on to our marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she was, she was pregnant with our child, my first child, only child, mm-hmm. you know, and she's, she's pregnant this time. Well, um, so at this time, uh, you know, so it's kind of funny. So, well, it's not funny, but... The way that our contract worked is that if you go to work and let's say I got sick and I called in work on a Monday and dropped my trip, you know, if I told you I flew for four days usually, mm-hmm. they would drop that whole week, right? And then I have my three days off and so then I come back to work the next week. Mm-hmm. Well, if I call in sick again and I never actually returned back to work, that's still just what sick call. It's a rolling sick call. Because okay. I'm still sick. I never mm-hmm. came back to work. Yeah. And the way that our contract worked is that you could have a couple of these before you even had any kind of disciplinary action taken on you. Uh-huh. Well, I caught on to that, and I rolled a sick call for two months. <laughs> because we still got paid 75% of our complete wages, oh, whether we you- flew or not. Oh, man. So I kick back and I'm a, I'm sitting at home. I'm using, I'm running and gunning. And I'm still getting paid, bro. Yeah, and I thought yeah. I was I thought I was the smartest sucker out there, and everybody else was just suckers, man. Yeah, yeah. Why didn't Why didn't anybody think of what I was doing? Because I was living it up, you yeah. know. <laughs> well, the truth of it is, is I knew that my I knew shit was coming to a head, and it was just only a matter of time. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I get a voicemail one morning, and it was my chief pilot in Houston and he said um, I don't know what's going on but you need to call me back right away and I need you in my office tomorrow morning at 9am sharp and I'm like oh my god and this was like at 1pm the previous day yeah, yeah, so it's yeah, like yeah. I gotta be oh my gosh you know and I everything just fell apart wait so was he in Houston yeah okay so you had to go to Houston yeah Okay. Yeah, because it's like going to the principal's office, yeah, right? Or going, yeah. yeah. You have to go report to work, but yeah. yeah. So headquarters was in Houston. Mm-hmm. I live out here, so. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I had to go. I had to go to Houston. So I knew I was screwed at that point. So that's when my my wife ended up helping me because I was so sick at this time. I I I couldn't function. I was trying to quit. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't. And so that's when she ended up calling our union rep and told him, "Hey, this is what's going on." Mm-hmm. And he said, "You know what?" The cool thing is, is we got a really great program where we can help you guys. And if he really wants to get help, if he wants to save his, his job and his wings, yes, we can help. I thought I was going to get fired. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that they helped people. And man, yeah. it is such a cool program. They have a program called the Wings Program, you know, and they have pilot to pilot where pilots actually, you know, have they have a fund where they can help people, you know, and they, they helped pay our rent um, while I went to treatment for a month, I think is what it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
you know, my ex, or sorry, my, my wife at the time, she's working two jobs. She's pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I fly out to Knoxville, Tennessee and go to treatment for 30 days. It's a mandatory treatment because it's a job safety sensitive position, mm-hmm. you know, flying people around. They don't like people flying high, you know, and are drunk, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and it's not cool. They look down on that stuff. And, uh... I go to this uh, really great treatment facility in Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, it's a lot of pilots and flight attendants and NFL, and NFL uses them. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of one of those places where everything was low key because the last thing yeah. they want is CNN to find out that this place has got a whole bunch of airline pilots in it, yeah. and they start digging around trying Spend to find it. out fake news. Yeah, <laughs> do you, did you ever fly high? That would be the first question. Yeah, you know absolutely, what I mean? absolutely. What are you talking about? You know, I don't know anything about it. But um, anyway, so I got the treatment, and I, you know, I, um, at that point, I it ruined my high. From then on, I never experienced high again mm-hmm. the same way. When you go to treatment and you get in into the AA and the twelve step and everything, it's ruined. Oh, yeah. You feel guilty every time you do it. You want to cry every time you do it. Mm-hmm. You're wondering, well, why am I doing this? Why can't I stop? Mm-hmm. Well, I got all these tools out there, and I was pretty cocky, man. I'm, huh, I got the tools down. Yeah. I'm just going to go yeah, home. I'm good to go. I'm going back to work, buddy. You know, I'm going to return to work. And um, they have a HEMS, it's called the HEMS program, and mm-hmm. it's made for airline pilots to get back in the cockpit. And it's very, very successful compared to other programs. Mm-hmm. And the Navy uses it, and they have such a high return to work rate and part of the reason why is because they get the person back into the cockpit quickly yeah but there's a lot of testing and stuff that you have to do before that neural yeah. psychological testing you got to have doctors evaluating you all mm-hmm. these tests right mm-hmm. well it's like a four-month process so on my way home I fly from Houston or from Knoxville to Houston and then I had to change planes and I'm flying home and it's a night flight and I can't wait to see my wife Son's gonna be here, you know. I mean, she, yeah, yeah. I was excited, dude. Mm-hmm. I get on the plane, and the flight attendant knows that I'm a, a crew member, and she comes up and says, Hey, hey, buddy, what do you want? <laughs> Wine, Jack, we, we got it all. And I'm like, Well, you know, I, I'm an addict, dude. I'm not an alcoholic, I'm yeah. an addict. Yeah, what's, okay. what's a glass of wine? Well, I have a glass, and then. Man, that one went down way too soon. I still got three hours left, so I have another glass. <laughs> well, I started, uh, you know, getting that good feeling. I started journaling. Mm-hmm. How stupid. I'm journaling about how I'm going to kick butt, and I'm going, I've got this addiction. I know that feeling. And I'm drinking as I'm doing it. That's how, that's how ignorant I was. It's insanity. And so I land, and... You know, I walk out and my wife's excited to see me and she gives me a hug and oh. immediately pushes me back. She can smell the alcohol. Dude, you cannot get any smell past a pregnant girl. I can tell you that right now. They have like a, a nose like a hound dog, dude. She was so upset. She had been working double shifts. She had painted our entire apartment without telling me. Her and her mom, you know, put it together and everything just to surprise me. Had everything going, man. And I show up drunk from rehab. Both things. So, you know, we get in an argument. And I don't know if you've ever done this, but I was pretty good at it. I would 
I would push an argument intentionally so I would get kicked out so I had an excuse to, to leave and go and use. Yep. Because if I stayed at home on the couch, like, you know, what really should have happened or was going to happen, you know, she, would, she wouldn't allow me to go anywhere yep. like that. You know, she, was, she was there for me. Yeah. You know, she doesn't want me to use. She doesn't want to lose her family. Well, I would push the fight until I ended up leaving and left. That night I left and I ended up going out and I ended up getting meth. And that is when I, it just went, I, I never stopped using. And I had a, there was a number that you called every day and to find out whether or not you had a UA that day. Mm-hmm. And I had to pass UAs and it, it was like one random a week, you know? So I, or a couple randoms a month or whatever. Yeah. So I knew my time was coming because I never did clean up. Well, all of a sudden one day, you know, I, was, I had to UA and I wasn't going to pass. So I called my union rep and I told him. And he's like, what? Are you serious? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, all right, well, hold on a second. Let me call you back. So he calls me back like 10 minutes later. He's like, dude, you got to go back to treatment, man. I'm like, well, I kind of figured that. But he's, I'm like, well, you know, I got to do laundry and stuff. So I mean, just like plan it for like three days from now. He's like, no, bud. You're, right You're on the next flight tomorrow morning or you can kiss your dog goodbye I'm like really you can't just wait for like three days He's like no <laughs> so I was bummed <laughs> on the airplane I go and I get back into the, to the same treatment facility and it's only been like three weeks you know and it was like kind of like norm you know from cheers when you walk in everybody knows your name you know what I mean it's yeah. like I had I just barely left and here I am back it was embarrassing mm-hmm. And so I, I go back to treatment this time. How, many, how, how long was it? How many days were you? 30 uh, days. 30 days. It was okay. 30 days on the dog. Okay. You know? <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like it is now where it's like, oh, yeah. you don't know how long you're going to be here, bud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, insurance companies, they only paid for 30 days back yeah. then, you know? So this time I took it really serious. Um, I had to learn a lot of patience. Um, I wanted to fly home right away because she went into premature labor at mm-hmm. 37 weeks and my son was coming and I, you know, I had a week left still and mm-hmm. she was in the hospital and they were giving her, you know, the medication to keep the, you know, keep her from going into full-blown labor. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, I end up staying the whole 30 days. I go home and that day, right when I get home, my son is born four hours later. And that was, uh, that was something else, dude, that, you know, I, I, I loved it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to take a break right now or Yeah, let's take we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey guys, that was part one of our conversation with Brian. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Uh, I really enjoyed having him on and uh, we'll have him back on uh, tomorrow. Uh, we look forward to that. So uh, have a good night guys. See you then.